church family, today we'll be considering the prophet Elijah's helping of the, wo- the widow, this poor, destitute woman, this widow woman of Zarephath, and of course her son in 1 Kings 17. This account really is full of the mighty power of God and full of wonders and miracles which the Lord wrought through his spirit-filled prophet and messenger, Elijah. It seems to me that today's account has striking similarities to that of the new birth, which of course the Lord spoke of, that a man must be born again, and of course of God's free, sovereign grace that he gives to poor lost sinners when they're humbled and they trust in him. Well, today, with God's help, I'm going to seek to draw out those similarities in considering three points, three points for us to consider this Lord's Day morning. Firstly, the condition, the condition, in terms of the condition and state of Israel at that time. Secondly, a planned crisis, a planned crisis, which we see. This didn't happen by chance, this was planned. This was prayerfully and sovereignly planned. And so secondly, a planned crisis. And thirdly, a new beginning. A new beginning, which we see here. And so firstly then, let us consider the condition. The condition of the kingdom of Israel at this point in their history was a very bad one. We know that the kingdom was divided now between the kingdom of Judah, really, and the kingdom of Israel. And we know that uh, really Solomon was uh, Solomon in his uh, in his taking of ungodly uh, ungodly wives actually was one of ones to blame for uh, for this. And God's judgment came, and so we we really saw the kings after that. Um, many of them were very ungodly, and the kingdom split between Israel, the kingdom of Israel, and Judah. And, uh, and so we see here in today's passage this succession of bad kings, evil kings, that did evil in the sight of the Lord. The kings got worse and worse and worse in Israel. Whilst at the same time in Judah, they had a godly king, King Asa. And of course they knew of God's favour. God had been incredibly long-suffering and patient with Israel, giving them plenty of space and time to turn from their idolatry and their sin, to repent, but they never did. And Ahab really we come to this, this point in Scripture where Ahab, who is the king of Israel now, which really is, is in Samaria, uh, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, beyond all other kings that went before him. And if that were not enough, he married, of course, Jezebel, who was from Sidon. She was a Gentile. And that really was the, one of the main places of Baal worship. That's where it originated from. And so 
to make things worse, he married Jezebel, this um, Baal worshipper, as it were. This was the norm. And of course, Ahab follows suit. Uh, he erected uh, worship temples in Israel to Baal, and he provoked God, really, to anger. This was Israel's spiritual condition. God's judgment was, was ripe upon him and upon the nation of Israel. And so a nation's spiritual condition can often be gauged really by its rulers, can't it? You can tell a, a, a nation where a nation is spiritually by those who rule over them. And if we look at the UK in the past 15, 20 years, even more, 50 years and beyond, we see that there's, there's this moral decay in our leaders, as it were. What they stand for, the, 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 the values that they hold, the, the things which they're, they're into, the examples which they, they set, we've seen this absolute moral decay. The, 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 the shunning, really, of Christian principles and truths, and the really the light talking of such things. And we're seeing the same, the same thing happen in our nation. But what about us here today? What is our condition here today? What's my condition? And what's your condition? Like Israel, we can abuse God's goodness to us, can't we? We can use what He has given us to accommodate our sin. We can be exactly like Israel. We can be wedded to our sins. And we can accommodate our sin so much. And thus we see God's judgment upon Israel. And it seems as if really, out of nowhere, God airdrops, as it were, Elijah onto the sea. We see, we, we know very little about the man Elijah and his family tree. All we know, really, is that he was a Tishbite from Gilead, but we know nothing else, really, of this godly messenger. It's almost out of nowhere. This is his first appearance. He's just literally airdropped, <laughs> amazingly, into the sea. And as we read earlier in James, we know that this is no angel. He was a man that had like passions. But it's amazing. How God in his sovereignty and his providence almost out of nowhere brings in people into our lives. Amazingly, that just out of nowhere brings people, men, his word and needs into our lives very quickly that challenge our way of thinking. And I know this is true of me, just before I was converted. And I wonder really if the Lord is doing this in the hearts of any of us here today, or has been in the, in, the, in the last few years. Has the Lord brought in people and means into your life that are, as it were, putting their finger up on the, on, on the spot of, of issues in your life? This, the, the condition, really, which has been neglected for so long a time. Now, friends, Elijah, straight away, warns Ahab of God's looming judgment upon him and upon Israel. That fruitful land which they 
thought that they were so secure in. They thought that this land that was so mightily productive and which year after year they could depend upon the produce, they could depend upon the rain, and they could depend upon the fertility and the fruitfulness of that land. They, they felt so secure in it. And then very quickly, that land became a very barren land very quickly. And I know that we're not quite there yet. <laughs> uh, we've had some sun and uh, lack of rain for a while. But I thought this very telling of the UK. It seems like even if it doesn't rain for a month or two, there is a panic that starts spreading. Well, what about if it rained not for three and a half years? Elijah says in verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And we read earlier, did we not, in James 5.17, that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And if it rained not on the earth by the and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. I wonder if we pray these sorts of prayers. This 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 prayer goes completely against the flesh, doesn't it? He he prayed really for humbling, for God's people to be humbled. I wonder if we pray this way. I wonder if we pray spiritual prayers to be humbled at times so that we can more depend upon the Lord when we see this with Elijah, don't we? And this now really brings us to our second consideration that we see in today's passage. And that is a planned crisis. A planned, prayerful, sovereign crisis which would be a savour unto death for some who would not be humbled, and for others who would be humbled, it would be a saviour of life unto life. I wonder, really, if unbeknown to me, the Lord is ushering in a planned crisis in any of our lives. That's often what we need. If you hear, you hear it in the, in, the, in the scriptures, often these sovereign planned crises, we think of a jailer, and the earthquake that happened, he was very secure, wasn't he? But all of a sudden, the threat of his life and livelihood and what would become of him, well, very suddenly these things came upon him. This planned crisis, this sovereign crisis, these things are brought of the Lord. These things are our doing. I wonder if really the Lord has brought about this planned crisis. And it doesn't have to be a famine. It can really be a famine of the heart and the soul. It can really be an emptiness and a famine of the heart. A really a void in the heart that gets bigger and bigger when we try to satisfy our souls, our eternal souls, with the things of this world. And they just cannot fill. There's like a famine that's happening in our hearts, friends. Oh, well, I do pray. It is my prayer that the Lord would humble, humble this nation, and so that people would be woken up as it were, to their spiritual state, to their need of the Lord. Sometimes, friends, we need God to bring about a crisis in our lives. A crisis, a spiritual one in our hearts and our souls. 
because we can be so stubborn. We can be a stiff-necked people, can we not? And the wonderful truth, really, about God's word is, is that the Lord always looks after his own. And that's exactly what we see. God always sustains and provides for his own people. And this is exactly what we see with Elijah. God hid him by the brook of Cherith. Cherith in the Hebrew means a, a seasonal stream that has come and has cut into the land and has separated that land and has, has formed almost like a, a, a gorge type place where the, the water has cut in, it's bent in the countryside as it has formed this kind of separating, cutting uh, stream. And there, of course, no doubt there would have been reeds where Elijah could have hid himself and where God uh, hid him. And so God hid him in this uh, cherith, as it were, this secret place known to God, as it were, separated unto the Lord, sustained of the Lord. The words of Romans 8.28 come to mind. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Even the seemingly bad things in our lives at times, for the Christians, good, they work, they all work together for our good. They teach us wonderful things about ourselves and about the Lord. Let us take note, brethren, if God, by His sovereign providence, calls us to be, perhaps for a time, in loneliness or in solitude because of persecution or because of those things which are hostile to our faith, let us not think it strange concerning these fiery trials to our faith. Let us do as Elijah, Elijah did, and trust in the Lord, and good will come of it in the end. Like Elijah, will it not help us to be more patient and trust and depend upon the Lord? Trust upon His Word and His promises. Will it not teach us to depend more upon that which comes from heaven, not that which comes more from earth? For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. And so we see this, God sustaining of Elijah, really from that which is from heaven. Every day, Elijah was brought bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. He had living water. He learned more so to depend upon the things of heaven, the things of Christ. Well, after some time we read, did we not, earlier in verse 7, that the brook dried up, the brook of Cherith because of the lack of rain. The planned sovereign crisis which the Lord brought about, of course, by the fervent prayer of Elijah, Elijah, in the land, this planned crisis starts to deepen. Will Elijah and will others in whom the Lord is working in, and whom the Lord, by his sovereign power and grace, is waking up, will they perish? over this planned crisis? Of course not. This crisis, we must remember, 
is of the Lord. We must remember that the Lord is sovereign in everything, in all His dealings in our lives. This is of the Lord. If there's any comfort to be had, dear friends, in this life for the Christian, it's truly understanding the sovereignty of God in our lives. Elijah amazingly is called to go, isn't he, to that Gentile city of Zarephath. And we know that the Lord, Jesus, spoke of this poor widow, didn't he, in Luke 4, in, Luke 4, in terms of how God sent his messengers, his prophets, not to his own people, uh, but to the Gentiles. Now this is the first door really opening to the Gentiles, to the widows, not of Israel, but to the Gentiles. And so we see Elijah amazingly is called to this Gentile city of Zarephath, which is a city of Sidon, which is really is the same place where Jezebel comes from. And again, we Christians can learn from this. The Lord, if it pleases Him, can cause us Christians to go to places which are very hostile to our faith. He can put us in the middle of places which are incredibly antagonistic, in the heart of an evil city, of an evil town, as it were, because He still has His people to say There are still people to be converted to Himself. There is a poor, desolate widow that will amazingly sustain Elijah in this Gentile city. How ironic is that? That the Lord uses the most unlikeliest of means. He uses the weak and foolish things of this world to confound the proud, doesn't he? And he uses unclean ravens, which by the law are unclean. He uses widows that are desolate, as it were. God can use anything. We should never limit God. We should never box up God and, and, and be governed by our senses. Uh, we must be governed by faith in the word of the living. God, never box up God, as it were. He can do amazing things. He can, out of a rock, bring living water. He can bring about the most amazing things by the most unlikeliest sources in our life. If we dare just have faith and trust in the word of the living God. And so then, in this town, the city of Zarephath, this Gentile city, we see this poor, desolate widow and her poor son. They, they will be the ones that will sustain Elijah when this stream starts to, uh, starts to dry out. Now friends, before we look at this poor widow, it is interesting to think that prior to this famine, it is more than likely, it is highly probable, I'm speculating here, but I think my speculation is, was, 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 has good, good uh, cause to it. It is highly probable that this widow was a full-blown idolater. She was a full-blown Baal worshipper. Remember, that place was given over to Baal worship. And hence the words that she says in verse 17 concerning her son's sudden death. What have I to do with thee? Talking to Elijah. O thou man of God, 
Art thou come unto me to call my sins to remembrance? And so we almost think of legion, don't we? I am so unholy, so unworthy uh, to be in your presence. Why have you come as an Israel? Why have you come to me? Why have you come? Uh, and to me, of all people, to this place, this place really that she must have thought forsaken of the Lord, why have you come? To me, is it because of my sin and my wretchedness, as it were? In other words, why have you come? I am I who am guilty of such, such wretchedness, of such a wretched life. And friends, in this do we not learn, friends, that the great love and mercy that God has to poor lost sinners, we learn that God's love and mercy, dear friends, is to all, to all people who will truly be humble and seek the Savior. God's love has no bounds, no limits, dear friends. And so we see in this, dear friends, do we not, the great love and mercy of God to poor lost sinners. And so this now brings us to our third and final point. Thirdly, we see here a new beginning. We saw the condition, we saw the planned crisis, and now we see, thirdly, a new beginning. During this planned sovereign crisis, which the Lord brought about, it's the Lord's doing, something I suspect happened in the heart of the widow of Zarephath. Something happened in the, in the, in the heart of the widow of Zarephath. You see, prior to this famine taking hold, I suspect she really did give her heart to the false gods of this world, including, in particular, Baal, Baal worship. Baal was worshipped as the god of fertility. If we know anything about the, the god of Baal, it was the god of fertility. Many a Canaanite would have called upon Baal as the lord of the rain and the dew. Oh, Baal! Remember later on, with uh, the ecumenical prophets of Baal calling upon Baal. Oh, Baal! Jumping upon the rocks, this whole performance for the Lord, for, for, for their, their false god, as it were, to come and to devour the sacrifice. But nothing. And in the same respect, in exactly the same respect, many a Canaanite would have called upon Baal as the lord of the rain and dew. This false this false God for the productiveness of the land, which of course God, the true God, the God of Israel, would have given. It's the, the Lord who would have made this land productive and blessed. But they would have called upon Baal. And I suppose many people today have also have been deceived. We think of the climate change idolaters who are lifting up nature to such an elevation that it's become the saviour. Oh, we must do all these things because that's going to be our saviour. And that's idolatry, friends. You see, friends, it seems to me, as this, began, this, this famine began to really bite in the land, that perhaps this widow uh, called upon the false god of fertility, Baal. She continued to call upon it, as it were. And nothing happened. She called upon it, and not a drop happened. 
And perhaps she continued, day and night, as it were, to call upon, Bill, Bill, help us. My, my husband has become sick now. Help us, we need the rain, we need the dew. Help us. And still, nothing happened, as it were. Things just got worse. And perhaps then she lost her husband. And during this period, amongst other things that happened to her, she began to realize the impotency of the false god of Baal. And this is just true friends of the worldly. How that before conversion, God really has to show us the impotency of the broken systems of this world. That if we give our hearts to the false gods of this world, the things, and we all know them, the things which the nations of the world are encapsulated with, the nations of the world give their hearts to. If we give our hearts to these things, they just leave us empty, as it were. They lead to a famine of the soul. And we see, we, I, I think that this is what's happened to this poor widow lady. She's, she was calling upon Baal day and night. Come on! My husband's died! My child is going hungry now. All these things are being taken away from me. You're supposed to be my God. I've all these years I've given my heart to you, and look, nothing. And she, the, the, the penny is starting to drop, as it were. That the false gods of these world, this this world, the gods that are not, are not really gods, they're the gods that we make up of our own imagination, our own doing. They can profit us little. They can affect nothing in terms of the things which will truly matter. The matters of heaven. The matters of eternity. And perhaps about that time as well, she heard of God's judgment upon Ahab. And began to realize that this indeed is the God of Israel. The true God. The creator God. The saviour God. The penny has dropped all these years. I've been putting my trust in these futile things. I've been trusting in these false gods. And they haven't profited me a single thing. And suddenly she's beginning to realize that it is the God of Israel that is the true God. The creator God, the saviour God, the one that can make the difference. And that it's God, it's him that has brought these judgments upon them. And it is God that is, is humbling them as it were. This really, I believe, to be the scenario as Elijah in the province of God amazingly is sent to her. And that's what God does. He almost airdrops out of nowhere people and things not and, and I like I remember that very vividly with me. And I and I know this is so true, I've heard it so often before. I don't know where God brings in people, men and people as witnesses for him. Amazingly. And it's and we see this with this, this lady. And perhaps even then she's starting to realize that she's praying to the Lord God of Israel. Have mercy upon me. I know I've got it wrong. I know I've given my heart to the false God of Baal. I'm not trusting in, in this impotent God anymore. He's not the God of the rain and the dew. He can do nothing. I've been abusing. I've been giving him the credit. And she's now sincerely seeking the Lord. And this would explain really, quite frankly, very peculiar 
response that she gives to Elijah's request in verse 10. For Elijah, uh, for drink and for a morsel of food. And when he came to the gate of the city, that's Elijah, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. This poor widow was absolutely destitute. She was, she was literally at her wit's end. She had a handful of meal grain and she had a little bit of oil in her cruise. She kept them in these cruises, in these buckets, as it were, these barrels. And she was really collecting sticks because she had no more fuel uh, to make dinner with. And so she was collecting sticks around the city. What was left seems like the place was abandoned. By then, or most people had died. And she's collecting sticks. She's literally uh, at her wit's end, collecting these sticks to make a fire, to cook this little morsel of bread that she has, so that she can have a her son can have a little bit of food, a little bit of, of drink, and then they can die. Uh, this, as it were, was their last stand. This, she was in a great strait here and a great crisis. And friends, this often has to happen in our lives. God often has to, has to bring us in because we are so stiff-necked. We can be so stubborn and wedded to our sins that God often has to humble us. And it is often the, 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 the sincere prayers of His people to bring people low, to bring people to an understanding of their sin, that God does this. And He brings them down in His sovereignty, this planned crisis, so that they may fall into the hands of the Lord. They've got nothing left. And so often we have to be brought to that state. We have to be brought, I've got nothing left. All I've got now is to take hold upon the God of Israel. By faith. I cannot do anything else. And this is exactly what we see with this poor widow lady. In this poor widow, widow's crisis, Elijah encourages her to trust in the Lord. To take hold upon the Lord by faith. Verse 14 says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not work, not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And he asks, don't you? Bring, bring some water and a little cake, as it were, some bread for me. Do that first. And trust in the Lord. In other words, it seems an audacity here, but there is a purpose in it. There's a trial of faith in it, isn't there? And it's a lesson for us. Leave everything behind. Everything. Don't come in your hands to the Lord with something. Leave it all. Forsake it. As it were, come as a beggar, as a widow, as someone desolate to Christ. Some, someone who's empty, not full of himself. Come empty and God will fill you. Depending solely upon him and upon what he has done on the cross of Calvary for you. And she did, didn't, he? didn't she? This poor desolate widow, she did exactly what the Word of God instructed her to do. And she lived, didn't she? The Lord sustained her. The Lord filled those barrels, as it were, 
amazingly, uh, they sustained her, her son, and Elijah those many, many days. And that's the same with the Holy Spirit and God's sovereign grace. He, he, as we sung in that hymn, He keeps on giving and giving and giving. There's no shortage of God's love and mercy and grace to His people. He just keeps on giving. Even when we fall, even when we fail the Lord at times, He still gives, doesn't He, to His covenant people. And this is exactly what we see, don't we? This pouring upon grace and love and mercy to her and to her son. And, and this is what we see with the Lord, how He sustains His people. And they'll never be empty again. They'll never hunger Again, they'll never thirst again. They've got the Lord. They've got His grace. And so she was literally at her wit's end. She had exhausted all other avenues in life, as it were. This was a trial of faith for her, wasn't it? And she must needs give it all up, as it were, depend upon, solely upon the Lord. Praise be to God, friends. Praise be to God that she was made willing to throw in her lot, like that poor widow lady, throw in her two mites. This is all that I have, as it were. I'm going to cast it all in. My lot is now with the Lord. But that was more than anything. That was more than all the rich people casting on all their money. She cast in everything. This is all I've got, Lord, but I'm doing wholeheartedly unto you. And the Lord sustained it. Often it has to be the case. And this is true in terms of one's salvation. It's a full, a full casting upon the Lord. A full dependence upon the Lord. Not half-hearted, not with a divided heart. Wholeheartedly by faith. Friends, you'll never be poor. You'll never ever be poor again if you come to Christ, spiritually speaking. You'll never be empty if you trust in the Lord and His Word, friends, you'll always be filled with the Holy Spirit and with God's grace. Yes, you may be poor in this world. Yes, you may have financial difficulties. You may have many problems. But your soul and your spirit will always be filled with the Holy Spirit, with true, lively hope and faith. And you'll never be hungry, dear friends, if you come uh, honestly, sincerely and wholeheartedly to Christ. You'll never, ever be hungry. Because you'll have the bread of life. The bread of life. That life, that bread that will last for eternity. That, that bread that will not perish, that will not leave you hungry, hungry again. The bread of life. Friends, how we need a planned crisis in our lives. Do we pray for that? Or do we just pray for the good things? It's important to pray for good things, don't get me wrong. But do we pray? I was one day rebuked by a lady. And she said to me, I often pray for the Lord to humble me. I thought, wow. And she said, I pray every day for God to humble me, to bring me love. I thought, wow, what faith this lady has. And sometimes we need to pray for that, to, for us to be humbled. We don't need all the things in this life. Sometimes we do need to be prayed for humble, to be humble. And I'll say that we, we, we want to be, become bankrupt and all these things. We, we, we want to depend upon the Lord. We want to give our hearts to the things of eternity. More. We need to pray hard prayers sometimes, friends, like Elijah. God is no man's debtor. 
uh, friends. We must sow to the Spirit, not the flesh. We need to sometimes pray, friends, for planned crisis. We see all around us, don't we? Poverty of soul around us. Sometimes let us pray for things that will humble people, that they may be more inclined to be ready to hear the word of God by God's sovereign grace. The words of Psalm 107 come to mind. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 9, For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Oh, praise be to the Lord. Let this be a reminder to us, dear brethren, to lay it all upon the altar of Christ by his grace and by his mercy, as this dear widow did, and the Lord sustained him. Those that come to God must trust that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They must trust in him. If you come to the Lord, you cannot come half-heartedly. You must come with everything. Trust in him that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And the amazing thing about God's love and his sovereign grace is that it will never run dry. It will never be like the broken systems of this world that will fail you. And that's exactly what we see at the end of this passage. The widow's son falls sick and dies. And you know, in a sense, she was more, she was very willing to suffer at the beginning, didn't she? I believe she was converted. But then, sometimes as we go along in our Christian walk, we can forget, can't we? We can, the world can so entangle itself around us. And uh, her son uh, falls sick and consequently dies. And what does Elijah do? Well, he stretched, stretched himself upon the child three times. And he cried unto the Lord. And he said, O oh Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. He took that child up, didn't he, to the loft, and uh, stretched himself upon that child, prayed earnestly to the Lord that the Lord would revive him, revive his soul, and the Lord answered Elijah. Lord answered his prayer. And that, dear friends, I believe to be a picture of the new birth, of the new birth. Christ stretched on the cross of Calvary for poor lost sinners. Open arms, as it were, to welcome and invite sinners to himself. He is the one that stretched himself, uh, if you're seeking him. His, his body, his obedience and righteousness covers and makes up all your disobedience, all your unrighteousness, all your uh, commandment uh, breaking. He has covered that. He has stretched himself over that, as it were. 
And he has covered you completely if you come to him and you trust in him. Christ prayed to the Father on our behalf for us to be forgiven. It's the same here, isn't it? It's a beautiful picture we see here. And Christ, of course, reviving us by the Spirit, by putting the life of God into our soul here. We see here, don't we, very vividly this picture. God has the power to raise our dead souls to life, to, to put true spiritual life within us. And we see this powerful picture here. This is the word of the living God, dear friends. It is the truth, and we must trust in it. Friends, there are many uncertainties in this life which may come upon us very suddenly. Who knows what will happen in the next year with everything that's going on in this sin-rent world that we're living in. But the Lord knows what's happening. The Lord knows everything from the beginning and from the end. He is sovereign. We must trust in Him with all our hearts. Let this also be a lesson to us who are already Christians to plead and cry to the Lord more so to save the soul, to save poor, lost, destitute sinners from their sin. And there are many out there. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen.